everybody, welcome back. It's Play Games, Lose Friends. This is episode 11. It is Thursday, March 24th, 2022. I'm Ryan, back with Ken. How's it going, buddy? It hasn't I'm been doing... a month this time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A couple of weeks. <laughs> or a week, right? Yeah, we're uh, getting back into the swing of things again, finally, after a long hiatus. So it's good to be back, and it's good to be doing this consistently again. Got a good one for you this episode. We are going to talk about what we've played We've got an Oath review finally, something we've been thinking and talking about doing for quite some time, but just uh, did not have enough games in, and I'm looking forward to t- chatting about this because we've got, what, five or six games under our belt now, and goddamn, I love that game. I'm excited to see what our scores are going to be for this and how different they're going to be between the two of us. Then we're going to dive into Backbot and close things out, and there's a pretty good list between the two of us there I think we can talk about too, so excited to hear about that. So let's jump in. What do you got for me for shout-outs this week? Uh, well, I think just in general, I just want to thank uh, all of our followers on Instagram. Uh, we, we're growing that fan base. We hopefully are going to be posting a 500-follower shot this month. So super excited about that. So thank you, everyone, for supporting us and joining and liking and commenting and obviously DMing. And again. Yeah, that is awesome. 500. Yeah. That happens so fast. Yeah. I mean, we just started, what, late November? Like post Thanksgiving, yeah. So, yeah, it's uh, great. Yeah. So again, if there's anything you wanna, you know, you want us to talk about, uh, any topics, any games you want us to review, if there's something you're like curious uh, about that you th- you want our opinion or our thought on, please send us a DM. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk through it and uh, go. And again, if you have a game that's coming down the pike or a game you want, you have a prototype, a print play, you want us to try out, you know, please. Let us know. Hit us up. We're hungry for new content. We're hungry to try more games. So please, if there's stuff in your pipeline, put it in ours. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Let's jump into what we've played since last time. I've got a pretty decent list, but I just want to start. I'll start with one and let you go. And we'll just, you want to just alternate tonight? Let's a uh, little, little skit scat bebop. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, I wanted to bring up, yes, I wanted to bring up one that we played the last time we got together. And that is Arboretum. We've talked about this before. Someday we got to officially review Arboretum because it truly deserves a review. But we played with the four of us. Uh, you missed the last time we played. We just had three. And uh, what did we play two games or one? I can't remember. I wanted to roll it back, but everyone was like, oh, it's late. So. Yeah. Because <laughs> I wanted revenge. Well, we got on my we tree. Got on my trees game. and leaves. Yes. I think you wanted to roll it back because you were absolutely furious that I held on to two cards <laughs> and after your whole scoring track for the most part. Okay. And you, I just wanted have to, to count mention cards. it on here you because have to, you have to count cards in oh this my game. God. And the chance that you would hold the seven and the six of what was it, pine or whatever? I was like, there's no way. And there's I have a to take a chance. Tree. Poplars. I have to take a chance. I have to take a chance. And of course, you know, with that lucky rabbit's foot that you sit on. <laughs> I, was, uh, I was dying. I'm sitting there the whole game like, oh, my God, please. And you laid down poplars early. It's like, please go for the poplars. Please go for the poplars. And you laid down another one. And I'm like sitting there going, like, like just held them the whole game. Two, two cards in your hand is a lot in that game. Like, you don't have much room to maneuver. And I just sat there like, well, if this – Screws his whole night up. I'm doing it. So I'm just going to hold these two cards. And well, I lost I end anyway. that with Did three points. Won, right? or, what's I think that? I had, what, three points? Did I, I ended the, I had like three points or some shit. Like, it was awful. Yeah. 
Because <laughs> all my well, points and, were yeah, in the popular I only had, camp. Like, six. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I mean, that was a ten point swing. I think. Right. I could have won with the popular points. I think. Yeah. And then I just wanted to mention that because. First of all, that game is amazing. And secondly, we just like you and I have that dynamic and it's starting to spread. I can see to Joe a bit and it just cracks me up every time. And so I just wanted to mention that game because I love it. So yeah. So go ahead. You, just, you, you start with your list. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm just saying, I just want to keep going. Uh, just one more on Arboretum. So again, yeah, yeah. If, 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 if you don't have Arboretum, uh, it's $20 at Target. And now what your red discount, you'll get it for like 19 and change. Again, friendly local game store if you can, right? Get it. But like, if, if you like a unassuming, just screw you, the epitome of take that when you're not even necessarily trying, unless you're Ryan, it, the game's fabulous. It's just beautiful. It's perfect in every yes, way. It is by far one of my absolute gems in my collection. Because every single time I play that game, I could go two years without playing. I could go 10 years without playing it. As soon as we get it on the table again, I am reminded about how unbelievably brilliant the design of that game is. It is so disarming and peaceful to play and fun to play, but also full of just agonizing decisions and just big moments at the end with the scoring. And God, it's good. It's just so good. It is absolutely something that should be in every gamer's collection. Whether you like take that or not, it just, just is that it. good of a game. I, yeah, you know, twenty bucks. Like, come on, it's it's a no brainer. It's brilliant, brilliant. All right, so uh, what else did you get? Um, so I got three games played since we spoke last. Ooh. Um, the uh, the most recent I'll talk about, and I know we talked a little bit about it, you know, prior to, to setting this up, but uh, was Ginkopolis, uh, and Ginkopolis was. Again, I'm sure you guys have heard, like, we really love engine building games. That's like a key game in, in our sort of quiver, Absolutely. right? Like, we really love engine builders. And, uh, this was a hard game to get for a while. And, uh, I finally got a hold of it and decided to just eventually just crack it open. It's been in shrink for, I don't know, six months, maybe a year. And, uh, I just wanted to, to, to to see how it goes because everyone there's a lot of people that really like that game and much like Arboretum in a way there is a very sneaky sinister take that aspect of the game that I cannot wait to bring this to game night and see how this goes and how this unfolds um, watch the blood flow yeah I mean it is a and you're all you're doing is like you're like you know Placing tiles and building resources and collecting victory points and building floors of towns. Like, it's super mild theme-wise. And then, like, you can really get cutthroat. And it's got draft mechanics of the cards that you're playing. Mechanics are super easy. Actions are super simple. Uh, minus the iconography. You got to get used to that. But And then it's got the gizmos uh, sort of engine builder based on the actions you play. So there's the strategy too. Like, oh, I should play a card that does this so that I can put this in my tableau so that when I do this again, I can get a victory point or I can get another resource or I can play it. I can pick another tile. And it's got that like bunny kingdom sort of end game scoring based on, uh, how many of a city you have in a row. 
And then there's got the engine, there's like an uh, area control where if other people are in that row of the same color, if they're second place, first place gets to count their resources as victory points, but then they only get to count their own. So it's a very interesting mechanic where you want to try to be in first place for these large, like sort of blocks of buildings. It's just, again, it's just, there's so much depth to this for how simple it is. And that's what I love about it. That's Ginkopolis. So have you had it for a while or you just picked it up recently? I've had it for, like I said, I think I've had it for about six months, maybe a year tops. Again, it was one of those, it was really hard to find. And I put like a watch on it, a miniature market. And then when it came back in stock, I was like, ooh, I have to buy it. And then, of course, I have to not get, you know, shipping costs. So I probably placed a $100 order just to get a $30 game, you know? (laughs) You know, because that's got to do what we got to (laughs) do. Who pays for shipping? Come on. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So my second one that I got in was Paleo. Uh, I've played this before and I've had it for a while, but we, we just kind of tried a couple, we tried the first difficulty level, I think. And the way the game works is there's basically small decks of cards that you insert into a couple other decks and shuffle them together to kind of create your experience for that particular gameplay. And we did the first difficulty level and we did pretty well. And then we started to do the second one this past time we played it and sweet Jesus, that game is hard. Uh, there's, Probably, I, I want to say, five games of learning the decks that we had to try to kind of like really wrap our heads around kind of what we were supposed to be doing with the cards in the deck, some of the cards that were laid out on the board ahead of time to kind of grasp, you know, the right approach for strategy for that. And it just was, it was brutal. But we finally, I think after five tries, got it. And it was fun. Like we didn't, we got frustrated at times. That game's pretty punishing. You can have some, you know, card draws out of that deck. Like uh, one in particular, I remember there was an avalanche and the card space, the card basically says you take a, a wound for every other card in your deck that has a mountain back on it. Well, so if you draw that early, it's like your everything you, all your dudes die. Like all your cave people are just dead instantly. And it's like two skulls on your board and you can only have five until you lose. So we had some experiences like that where it was just like, all right, we didn't know that the card was there. We didn't know how to mitigate the risk. Once you start getting into that risk mitigation, it's pretty fun, but very good survival game, very good co-op game. It's easy to play, which is why it's so good. You can dive back in after getting smashed like that and not feel too defeated. So if anybody's out out there is looking for like a good cooperative game that's not Robinson Crusoe type heavy, but has a lot of the same sort of tropes and loose mechanics in it. Uh, paleo is a great one and, and I had a lot of fun and so did my wife trying that. Nice. Again, I got that two Christmases ago and I've still never played it. So I'm a little <laughs> jelly. Yeah. I mean, it's the tough part is the challenge, right? You gotta, you gotta be willing to sit there and fail until you get it. But once you do, it starts to click and becomes a lot more fun. Yeah. I don't know why I think I'm a co-op gamer and I keep buying co-op games and I rarely get to play co-op games. I'm it's just not my style. I don't know. Maybe it's me. We we need to play some, you know, with with the group and see because there there's some good ones out there. There really are. Yeah. There's some really good ones out there that, you know, we just have to we have to play, and and see how it goes. Nice. Uh, so my next game is uh, from one of our favorite designers here in the podcast. And again, I think we teased it a little bit. We have to get him on. 
because I definitely got to talk to this guy. And I know you, Ryan, you're a big fan too. And that's, uh, uh, Phil Walker Harding. I got, uh, one of his little gems. It's called Silver and Gold. It was, I think, his first rolling right, right before he did Super M- Mega Lucky Box that we talked about before in the podcast. But, yep. uh, so you can see, by playing silver and gold, I see his evolution thinking and design into Super Mega Lucky Box. And and what's interesting with, with this game is he basically took the Tetris pieces and was like, hmm, there's a game here that's not Tetris, but people who like Tetris will probably like this game. And then made it a roll and write. So, or a flip and write, I guess <laughs> you could say. Where... uh Basically, there's a deck of cards, and again, you don't put them all in, just like Super Mega Lucky, Mega, Mega Lucky Box. Uh, and then you have, uh, I believe you have three cards in front of you, and then there's a general row out there in, in, in front. And uh, there's little coins, and there's there's X's where, you know, X marks the spot, um, and there's palm trees on these, these cards. And when a card gets flipped over... Uh, it'll have a tetra shape. It might be the straight line. It might be the cube. It might be the L. It might be that weird Z shape. Um, and again, you can manipulate it and move it around, but you just cross off little squares on your board that make that shape. And you complete a card. It scores. You put it in a score pile. But then, and then you take another one from the pile in the middle. If you, I think it's the palm tree, you, when you cross a palm tree off, you get a point for every palm tree that's in the middle row. And I think in your tableau. So it's, so that's again a weird strategy. Uh, and then you score that or the coins get your coins and that sort of works like the star. Was it the stars in Super Mega where you cross off stars and I get your points? Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. The bonus stars you can get. Like, yeah. The bonus stars. So coins are, like have that. that similar bonus mechanic. And then the X marks the spot allows you to then cross off another square somewhere. So it's like, ah, oh, there's treasure here and then it's over here. Right. So you can cross off another. But again, you're trying to fit these tre- tetra shapes inside these like sort of island shapes. Um, and they're all different sizes and different shapes and different scores. But, uh, my wife and I put it a couple times. Uh, again, super simple, super easy. And then at the end of the day, it was fun. Uh, and again, I got, I got whopped. My strategy was not good against my wife's. And that's just, uh, that's just how the cookie crumbles. But again, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, tip of the Kangal to Phil Walker Harding on another one. I, I enjoyed it. And again, I think I got it on clearance at Target for like $9 or something like that. Like ridiculous. Yeah, I see it there all the time. You know, it's just – and again, it's it. the box is unassuming. You're like, ah, this could either be really bad or really good. And then you get it and you're like, oh, that's awesome. This is fun. It's simple, easy to get. And again, even for kids, uh, I think it's a good family game too um, to sort of get kids into this sort of, you know, flipping right, rolling right style. And this is, again – almost a gateway game like super mega uh into this genre of, of games which honestly you can't swing a dead cat without hitting a rolling right anymore you know it's funny funny you mention that because that's a good segue into the my next game that i played uh <laughs> after shot. watching a yeah after watching a uh a, a shut up and sit down review of long shot the dice game uh i decided that i wanted it because it looked like a good kind of fun little you know horse betting game and I picked it up and we got it to the table, uh, what, two nights ago, just the two of us to try it out. And, uh, yeah, I won and she hates it. So that's all there is to say. But, uh, very fun game. It's, I, I liked it. It was, uh, you know, simple. I think what 
30 bones for the game, so it wasn't terribly expensive, maybe a little bit more than that. But basically, you're, you're uh, betting on horses, and there's eight of the horses on the track, and you roll two dice, <clears throat> and the first die you roll is like a colored die that has eight sides, so it basically indicates one of the eight horses, and then the other die you roll is the number of spaces it moves. But on their card, the associated horse card, there's uh, basically boxes at the bottom, and if there's a check mark in them, the horse of that number moves. So you could have you know, number one, you roll number one and it moves two spaces, but it may also move horses four and five one space or something. So everything's kind of moving around the track. There's a couple other sections where you kind of write stuff down on your your betting sheet. You can bet on the horses. So if they win, you know, top three, you'll get some money. You can buy the horses. So if they, you own a horse that finishes top three, you get like an extra 25 or $35, whatever finish it comes in at. Uh, there's a concessions thing where it's kind of like Super Mega Lucky Box's grid system where you complete a row or a column, you get a bonus. And some of the bonuses are really good. Like you can move horses back, you can move horses up, you can get a free horse to buy, lots of stuff. So I definitely want to try that with our group. I think it would be pretty fun and popular, uh, especially because you can kind of screw with each other. There's not a whole lot of take that, but there's enough of it that it's, you know, engaging and fun. So we should definitely give that a shot. But uh, yeah, that was a very sort of from the hip purchase, but I'm I'm glad I got it and I enjoyed it. She absolutely hated it and never wants to play it again, but that's okay. So that's a long shot. That now, is that because, is that because she doesn't like the game or is that because you saw the game and did good at it? Yeah, probably both. Honestly, probably both. <laughs> okay. So it's just not her cup of tea. All right. What do you got next? So my last game is a Kickstarter that came in uh, called Creature Comforts. Oh, um, I, I really want to try this. This game, this game is, it, it takes a lot of, I guess I'll call it inspiration or homage from some of other games that, you know, I think are near and dear to most people in this, in the, in the hobby. And, and then it sort of smashes them together in a very unique, fun way. And uh, it's, it's got engine building. It's got worker placement. It's got a little, like a little hint of like fantasy realms. Like I think I mentioned that with uh, reincarnated uh, last, where this one is like, if you get a pair of socks and you then also get a dresser, then the dresser is worth 10 points as opposed to two or something like that. Little combos with the cards. But the beauty and, and heart of this game is the double sort of worker placement dice placement mechanic i can't think of another game that has this so how this works is you each have four workers and there's a whole bunch of places to go you can get resources you can buy upgrades you can buy cards you can get you can get money you can visit the tavern and socialize and do something with um you know one of the locals that popped into the pub and and you have two dice that you roll for you first. So everyone rolls dice together. So you each have two specific dice that are only used for you. And then you roll a four dice community pool that everyone gets to use. So everyone can simultaneously put their workers out. Everyone simultaneously rolls their dice. But then you take turns putting placing the, the six dice. So there's like a dual layer placement. And the amount of dice you use allows you to then get and fulfill what's on that space. So there's ones where it's like, 
dice equals dice. So you need like a two and another two, right? So the two equals the two or a one and a one. Or there's certain spots that need, you know, at least a six. So you have to put a six out there. Um, some are like two pluses. So you can put a three there or a two. And then you fulfill all your actions and then the dice passes. And then someone else does their dice placement and then does their actions. And it's just so beautiful the way this is done. And again, I've not seen it done like this in any other game. So I think, like I said, there's, there's, there's pieces of this that you've seen in other games that are just as good in other games too. It's not like that's a bad thing in this game. But, but again, the heart of this is in this dual, dual placement. Um, and the best part is here. So even if you can't fulfill one of your requirements, like let's say you need a seven and you don't roll two dice that equal seven, just for a bad example, but, um, you then can return the worker, but he comes back with, or she comes back with a token that you can mitigate a dice roll up or down next time. So you don't always, you don't lose anything necessarily. And then you play through four seasons or three seasons, and then you tally up your victory points and see who wins. And the art is just beautiful. It's like I said, it's got, it's got an Everdale style sort of anthropomorphic feel to it. Uh, it's just beautiful. The components are great and it's just fun. So that's creature comforts. Yeah. I have my eye on it since you should, you basically turned me on to it and now I'm excited to try it. So we have to, uh, try to get that in soon too, because I think that'll be a hit with our group. It just looks mechanically, yeah. it looks like a lot of fun. I think aesthetically, you and I are obviously. Maybe I have more of an anthropomorphic yeah. animal thing than I thought. Maybe we both are like furries <laughs> at heart and we just don't know it yet. But I, I hope not. Please, God. The game itself just looks excellent. So I, I want to try it really bad. My last one, I save for the end, is Sleeping Gods. And I talked a little bit about Strap this last episode. In. What's that? Strap yourself in. It's going to be a good one. Oh, settle in. Settle in. Get your, uh, <laughs> get your ottoman. Put your feet up. Light a, light a, pipe here we go uh this game is very widely praised uh it's gotten a ton of positive feedback online it's gotten a ton of positive feedback across you know reviewers youtube wherever i have not played much of ryan lockett's games i played uh, above and below with you once and other than that really nothing so i kind of went in to the game, not really having a lot of exposure to his work, which is, you know, fine for me. Like I don't judge publishers or designers or anything until I play their stuff. So I got it to the table for, I want to say three nights, four nights in a row, roughly. And we played two player and we split the characters. You're supposed to split nine different characters in the game four per person. And they share the captain. And the game is basically a narrative driven sort of choose your own adventure style game where you're the captain of a boat and you sail around this, you know, foreign land that you've never been to. And there's these deep sea monsters that are trying to keep you there and prevent you from gathering these totems that allow you to escape and get back to the real world. And so the game is played through a series of rounds and you basically choose a ship action, which does some things for you. It gives you these command tokens back or grants you some, uh, lets you heal up, lets you gain supplies. So the next thing you do after the ship action is you flip an event deck. So kind of similar to, let's say, um, Robinson Crusoe, where you flip an event every turn and you have to resolve it. 
and you have some options for resolution. Then you get to pick two of your actions, which can be like explore, go to a market, uh, go to a port, and some other and sail. There's some other stuff. So we played three nights in a row, four nights in a row, roughly. And started to get into the narrative portion, which is the thing that I was most excited about about this game. I love narrative-driven games with a big asterisk next to that statement. That asterisk is if they're good, if the writing is good, if the story is engaging enough to pull me in. And I can say after playing Sleeping Gods, that portion of the game really let me down. I was not drawn into the story was not drawn into the characters. I felt the writing didn't do enough to pull me in and get me invested in them to continue to want to play. I think mechanics-wise, the game has some cool stuff going on. The one thing that I kind of didn't like that I think a lot of people did like, although it wasn't bad, I, I can't knock it too much, it was the combat, um, which is done in a pretty unique way. If you are interested in seeing more about it, I suggest checking it out You know, online about a how to play video or something. Rodney, uh, Rodney Smith did a good one for how it's played um, or watch it played, I should say. But I was very underwhelmed. I, I was really kind of disappointed that I was underwhelmed because I was really looking forward to diving into a really solid narrative driven game that has so much hype and so much praise and the pedigree that Ryan Lockett's games have. And I sat back afterwards, and this is kind of the same thing with Jaws of the Lion. Maybe I don't really like narrative-driven games. Maybe I think I do, and then I play them, and I'm like, <laughs> this isn't a good book. This is a, a board game with like a light story wrapped around it. And that very clearly is starting to – or is starting to become very clear to me that that's not what I want. I want something that is very heavy story and maybe a little less on the mechanics-heavy gameplay – but it's engaging the whole way through. Like, for example, um, Forgotten Waters, right? I use that as kind of like a metric for, for narrative-driven games now because that's the first one I've played that truly blew me out of the water when it came to story. Gloomhaven had a good story. It wasn't great, but it was good, and it was okay with respect to like writing quality and stuff. Forgotten Waters put a excellent spin on that for me, and even though... I didn't really like the play of Forgotten Waters. I actually don't like the crossroad style, you know, play where you, you basically just develop your character and like no one wins more or less, or you, you sort of win, but not really. I actually hated that part of it, but the narrative portion was so good. It kept me invested in the game. And I don't see that anymore with a lot of the stuff I play. So long story short, we gave it the old college try. I didn't enjoy it much. My wife didn't enjoy it hardly at all. The narrative portion fell flat for me, but all that being said, I still have the game and I still plan on trying to put it back onto the table as a solo game because I have read everywhere that it's a fantastic solo experience. And so I do like to solo game sometimes, not a lot, but sometimes I'm going to keep it for that and I'm going to give it another try. But I, I am starting to realize now that despite what I think I like, I don't think I really like narrative driven games. I just don't. So, rebuttal. Uh, a few comments for you. Yeah, no, no. I, I, I've never played it, and and now, granted, I guess I'm a bigger uh, Locket fanboy a than Locketeer. you. But a Locketeer. <laughs> um, I was trying to think but, of a um, term to use. That's the best one that came to mind. Nice, nice. An Arziamite. So, um, <laughs> yeah. So obviously, I, I'm before you put it on the cull pile. 
I'm gonna borrow it, right, and try it. Oh, myself. absolutely. I, I, I want to give you, I want to give you my feedback, you know, on this. And obviously, never playing it, it's, it's really difficult. However, I have some questions. Um, do you think that the story portion, if done, and again, I don't know if it's on there, but it might be. You know that like app where like you can buy soundtracks to the games. Yeah, that are so I, I have that. It's and they called like, Foreteller, and do you Sleeping think, Gods is the only yeah, game Foreteller. that isn't on that list. All of other, all of his other games are on. Okay, there. I didn't know if it, I didn't know if it was on there or not. Maybe now, do you think that would have helped? Because I know that was a huge aspect that we both really, really dug of Forgotten Waters. You know, it was like. It was very interactive. There was characters. There were different voices. It was like it, it was engaging. Um, do you think that that would have helped this experience? Maybe I'm gonna say you? maybe. The reason why it's not a definite okay. yes is because there were portions of the narrative that turned me off. Even if you had fantastic, if you had like Willem Dafoe and Sir Patrick Stewart doing the voice work, it still would not sell me on this game. There was a port, a part where I'm sailing into a, a new region, right? And I haven't even left like the starting pages of the map book. And there's areas highlighted with little numbers. And you you basically on your turn, one of your actions you can do is explore. And you can explore those numbers. And you open up the big storybook to that number. And then you uh-huh. can read what's there. And one of them was like, you get to a beach and venture onto the beach and you just start getting stung by giant wasps, lose two health. And I'm like, pardon my French, but what is this shit? Like, this isn't fun. And, and I, I didn't have anything else happen to me during the course of the play where I got A, character development, B, serious storyline development, and C, investment in the actual game world. And I think those three things are extremely important if you're going to have something be, quote, narrative-driven. And I know a lot of them, the way they work is you get small chunks of that narrative as you play, right? You explore more and you open up more of that. And that's why I didn't call this yet. I want to give it another try to be fair to the game yeah. to see if I play it the whole way through and finish it, will I get more of that? Now, one knock I have on that is that Sleeping Gods is huge. It's a huge world. It's very big and there's a lot of stuff to explore, right? So you could play through the game once and not see everything, which I think is cool. But I also don't like that because I would like to just keep playing. I don't want to stop. Like I want to explore the whole world. When we play video games like, you know, World of Warcraft or you're playing Pokemon, we have that like completionist thing to us. That makes us want to go out in that world and go look at every little corner and every nook and cranny and find every little secret and discover every little treasure and uncover every little piece of story. And I can't do that without multiple playthroughs. And so I think that bothered me too. But yeah, I don't think voiceover would have saved it, but it probably would have helped a little bit. Okay, that's fair. And you know what's funny? There was a series of games, you know, uh, console video games. I think one was called Demon's Souls. Yep. Back in the day in that genre of like RPG where they were just unforgivable. Like they were super brutal and super hard and yeah, everything in that game could one. kill you. Yeah. It's made by and, From yeah, Software. I guess it's similar in that style. Yep. Like, and I get that. I get that, that there's a whole world and a whole genre of people that like love that. 
And I, I played, I played, I played, and I played, and I eventually got to the point where I was like, I can respect this game enough to never play it again. <laughs> it just is not for me, right? I mean, I spent, I think, there, like, right in the beginning of the game, there's like, I'll, I'll just give you a quick little tangent here. And it's sort of like your your beach of your your beach of wasps, right? Yes. So there's a there's a there's a castle wall, and then there's parapets at every you know I don't know hundred feet or whatever, and there's a dragon that flies around and sets fire to the whole railing, you know that the whole path between the parapets. So it basically forces you to go like underground and work that way because you're not supposed to traverse across there because you're gonna get breathed on by the dragon. Um, but once you get to the second parapet, you can actually kill the dragon with your just basic bow. I spent three hours pinging this dragon. And the reason why is when I eventually killed the dragon, the spot that was impassable was now passable. And you got like a very uh, epic javelin or, or a halberd or something that was really good for you in that, in that game to traverse and, and move forward. And then immediately I get killed by an archer for no reason. <laughs> like, it just, it was like, and that was when I was like, I have to put this game down or I'm, I'm going to go in. I'm going to, they're going to put me in a, in a rubber room, man. Like, I was like, I was sweating fighting that dragon. Like, it was intense. And again, all I was doing was just shooting like, like almost like a, 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 a spitball at it. Every second it flew by yeah. that I could hit it was a spitball, a spitball. And eventually it falls and dies. And that's, and you're just like, Oh my God, this is amazing. And then you get this amazing piece of loot and you're like, Oh my God, that was so worth it. Cause this thing's awesome. And then you just get turned, you're killed by a basic archer for no reason. Like it just doesn't make any sense. Uh, but I get it. There's, there's people that like that level of it. And I think again, it's not a difficulty thing with sleeping gods. I don't think, but it's like, it's just, it's a, it's a different thing for different people. And maybe you're just not that person. Yeah. I mean, and that's you know. okay. Like, as I continue to play through these experiences more and try these, I'm starting to realize that maybe that's not my thing. But maybe on the other side of it, too, maybe there aren't that many games out there yet that really do the writing narrative part of it very well. Like, there should be, you know, we play D&D, and there's a lot of that in there. There's a lot of creativity, and there's a lot of development of story and character and, and things that relate to the gameplay that drive that forward. And that's the important part. And I don't know of too many games that bridge that gap well. And I wasn't necessarily expecting that out of this game, but I was expecting more. And again, I'll give it another shot, this time solo, and yeah. we'll see what happens. But for now, it was a bit of a letdown for me. And I, I don't think that's a knock on Ryan Lockett or, or the game itself, because there's so many people that loved it that you can take my feedback with a grain of salt, because this is me saying I'm not even sure if this is the genre that's for me. But I think another chance will give me a better chance or another another playthrough will give me a better chance to review it in a way that I think is more complete. Because right now I don't feel confident enough giving any kind of score because I didn't give it a full shake. And then absolutely when I finish it, I will turn it over to you to try because I'm very curious to hear what you think. No, absolutely. I'm excited to try it. Did you have anything else you played or is that that's the end of your list? Because that's the end of mine. Those were the three. Yeah, those were the three since uh, – and then obviously we shared Arboretum and – Obviously, we got another Oath playthrough, which uh, allowed us to get to this episode. Yeah, so. I'm excited to talk some Oath. But before we talk Oath, what you drinking? <laughs> I, uh, again, we, we made the joke about, you know, 
getting new beers since, uh, you know, we were sort of tapping the same well over and over again. So I uh, <laughs> got a six pack of, uh, it's called, uh, it is a, it's called Guava Lamp. And it's a, uh, it's from UFO Beer Company. It's a 5.8 hazy IPA with guava. Ooh, and very fancy. Very it's a limited seasonal release. Oh, and, th- and the can looks like a lava lamp. Uh, it is beautiful. <laughs> it is very nice. Uh, it's not too strong. Again, nice 5.8. I'm not going to, you know, get out of character on, on Mike. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm not going to lose my shirt. So and I, it's a nice That's good beer. for all of us. So I got a... Uh, <laughs> what you got, buddy? I got a, a good mix of sixes. And uh, tonight I picked one from a, a brewing company that I've grown fond of over the last two years, and that is Oliver Brewing Company, uh, based out of Baltimore, Maryland. But I picked up a, a uh, double dry hopped IPA that I've never had before called Cart Path Golf, and the can is just a little, <laughs> little golfer in the distance in his cart driving past, and the ball is sitting on the cart and or uh, the cart path. He has no idea, which pretty much is how I golf. Seven point eight percent. So I will lose my shirt, which is also Ooh, not good guy. for anyone. But it's got uh, Citra, Motueka, and Huel Melon in it. So it's a little sweeter. Really, really, really good. I like this. Uh, and I'll probably get it again if I can find it. Sometimes their stuff is hard to find around here. Although <clears throat> with the new uh, Shangy's location open up, that's double the inventory. So maybe I'll get lucky and find some. But really good. Kind If you and like you double dry hopped IPAs, it's got a lot of that piney resiny citrusy taste uh good stuff i like it and at 7.8 percent and where is it so oliver brewing where is it in maryland they're in baltimore actually Uh, i've never been there i don't remember i'm pretty sure they've been around for a while i think like early 90 yeah 93 um and i've never been to the brewery so i'd like to check it out at some point but i only have ever had I think maybe one beer out of probably over a dozen of theirs that I didn't really care for. And I'm pretty sure it was like a, a wit okay. beer, which, you know, can be hit or miss a lot of times or either too Belgian-y or too weak or too effervescent, like too many bubbles. But uh, everything else I've had from them is really good. So Cart Path Golf, if you like, you know, those those citrusy uh, double IPAs, this is a absolute hit. Highly recommend. Yeah, actually from uh, a lot of beers out of Baltimore. Oh, Yes. Baltimore is a very, very good town for brewing. In fact, I, I, the United States has many, many towns that are good for brewing. There is an old restaurant nearby yeah. me that just served Pennsylvania Dutch food that has closed down and now a brewery is open there and I, I need to go. There's literally like in my neck of the woods, which is literally like in the woods, within five miles of me, three breweries have opened up. So I need to start trying these nice. places because some of them are probably half decent. It's it's kind of nice. We should take a tour. More beer for everyone. All right. It's Oath review time. I've been waiting for this since episode like 0.5. I can't wait to talk about this game. <laughs> we have gotten five or six games of Oath in. Oath is a very unique property from Leader Games, who we've talked about before on the podcast. Tip of the hat to Kyle Farron for coming on uh, and talking about Oath and lots of other stuff with Leader Games and his art. It is one of the most unique games I've ever played, and I'll do my best to describe it. It is, a, at its core, a king-making game. 
Now, a lot of people will hear that who know board games and immediately turn off their brains and say how much they hate king-making games. But hear me out. This one is different. Oath is a game that is played over uh, as many games as you want. It doesn't have an ending. You decide when it ends. It has an extremely unique mechanic called chronicling in which you as the players basically nominate a king, I'll call the chancellor, at the beginning of your play. And everyone else is an exile and or citizen, citizens being part of the chancellor's empire, exiles being uh, exiles of the empire. Duh. So everyone is able to basically play the game and try to take over the throne except for the chancellor whose job it is to defend it. That includes citizens who can backstab the chancellor through a couple different means. This game creates a very unique group dynamic in that. You can have allies and you can have enemies, but because of how the game plays, it shifts and changes so much from turn to turn that your best laid plans just flat out don't work. And so you've got to really have a lot of irons in the fire, so to speak, to make sure you're able to stay competitive towards taking over the throne. The Chronicle mechanism basically allows your team or your player group to at the end of a game, whoever's chancellor can record in this booklet they give you. Now, I, I don't, th I don't think the retail version had the nice booklet that the Kickstarter version has, and we're going to review my Kickstarter version just for everyone's knowledge, which has upgraded components and stuff. But you get a what looks like a leather-bound small book to chronicle in the winners because history is written by the winners, right? This is a Cole Worley game. He's a huge history buff. And so you can see some of the elements of, let's say, kingdoms and uh, societies winning wars, developing and writing their own histories in this game. It is a core vein of the game and part of what makes it so interesting to me and to others away from just the kingmaking aspect. I did not do the game justice in that description. There's so much more to talk about, but let's let's leave that to the reviewers that do how to play, and let's get into what our impressions are. And I'm going to start with Oath and the theme. But before I do, do you have any other comments about sort of the game itself that I may have missed? Other than I'm holding the Chronicle as we speak, <laughs> I have nothing else to add. You goddamn Chancellor. Ugh. Just don't forget who put you there. Don't forget your roots. All right. Theme. Already forgotten. So I gave Oath a 4.5 for theme. I don't rate games terribly high on theme most of the time because a lot of games, mechanically speaking, uh, you could slap any old theme on there and it generally works. Oath is a bit different in that the minute we sat down to play as a group and we established Brad as our chancellor, I felt like an exile. I felt like I wanted that throne. I wanted to write history. I wanted to change the way the world was in the image that I liked. And I wanted to keep it that way and control that throne like some covetous bastard. And everybody else at that table was doing the exact same thing as me, sitting there, scheming, planning, making deals, trying their best to make sure that they would end up being the king and stay the king. And there aren't too many games I've played where we're learning the mechanics, we're learning the game, we're having fun, drinking beers, eating pizza, whatever. But the whole time, we are all pulled into this universe, this little kingdom, this world of ours, and we're all trying to take over. 
and do what you call affectionately the art project that is the Chronicle at the end to write your legacy <laughs> in that book. I think theme-wise, that is absolutely brilliant and has one of the most important threads in any game I've played so far when it comes to theme, the desire to rule and write history in your image. That is probably the most brilliant thing to me about this game and the reason why I love it so much, even though you'll hear in my future uh, category scoring that maybe it's not the best game of all time. But God, that is so fun to play and the theme of it works on so many different levels for me. So I think I've been, I think I've made comments on this. I'm pretty bad at judging the theme. <laughs> yeah. But you based on so. you, but based on you scoring this at 4.5, I feel justified and validated in my four. I gave this a four. I, again, much like you, I feel like you, it's, it's almost D and D in a way where you are playing a character and you really get into your character, um, more than I think in this type of game than you do in others. And that's why I had to go higher on theme. And it, it's, it, again, I, I don't know. I don't know what else to say because I think you've covered theme for this game the best that I've ever heard anyone describe the theme of this game. And you're right. You are scheming and plotting and trying to figure it out because it's a puzzle too. At the, at the, oh, yeah. at the end of the day, it's still yeah, it a puzzle is. you're trying to solve. And you're trying to not give someone else a piece. And again, you do you trust someone who's offering you something? Do you trust someone who wants to work with you? Or are you saying, oh, yeah, yeah, with your fingers crossed? You know, like I, I like that aspect of it. Uh, again, it's like, it's almost like a play in a way where we're all playing, a, uh, 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 we're all actors in this, in this play. And I think that's what's beautiful about this game because you don't even think you're, acting or playing and you really are and i think it's disguised very well and the theme really brings that out so i wasn't far off man i had a four so yeah that that D, &D comparison is a very good one actually that i never really thought of but you're right like you you get what you get out of this game based off what you make of it and you have to become invested in being a denizen of this kingdom and your role in its history. And that, that is like a, a precursor or a requirement to playing this game. If you're just going to go in and be like, oh, whatever, like, yeah, you can be king. You have to kind of get into it. And if you get into it, your enjoyment level goes from a two to a 10 instantly. And then you're truly invested. Yeah. And so our group, which we'll talk a little bit about this later as we get through the other categories, it's very group dependent. But it works really well with the group we have, and that's one of the reasons why I think the theme was so good. So, um, balance. What do you have for balance? This should be fun. So balance. Uh, again, I um, again, I, and I always sort of look at the other games that I and I that I score. Yeah, this is a tough and, one, and to I compare. base balance. <laughs> well, I I know I get it, but like as far as. I judge balance by the mechanics, right? And, mm -hmm. and, and what you, you know, how you use them and how you play. And, uh, I went four on balance, um, because I think, um, you, it's a game of optimization where you have to make the best 
plays that you can make with what you get or what you have access to or what you can scheme, right? So a lot of it is on the player. It has almost nothing to do with the the pieces on the board or or the cards in a way, right? It's 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 can you find the most optimal ways to make good plays or make plays that plays that get you to your goal, which if you want to backstab the king, well you have to set things up for you to backstab the chancellor or if you want to, you know, partner with another exile to overthrow the chancellor. You have to start setting that up yourself and figure that out. Um, and again, that's – it's sort of like, again, obviously on a much grander stage or grander scale than like Looters or Fort or Res Arcana, right? Yeah. But it, but it's the same type of thing where you have to make the best plays with what you have. So therefore, I don't think there's a balance in difference because it's it's you and your own style. And again, it's one of those things. If you feel that you're not good at it, then just play better. I mean, I'm not trying to be <laughs> sad or, you know, nasty, but that's just what it is. And you will get better the more you play. You'll see different things. You'll see other plans. You'll, you know, you'll, you'll pick up scheming as you go. So that's why I was, I was high on it. Cause I think it's, it's a pretty balanced game. So you'll, you'll be a little surprised by this, I think, but I actually gave it a three for balance. Uh, okay. It isn't a balanced game. It's definitely middle of the road, but yeah, it's not a balanced game, mechanically speaking. There are really busted ass combos in that deck of cards combined with artifacts yeah, that you that's... can get, the relics, I should say. There are opportunities yeah, but that's for that good play. to just that's be good straight play. up. Broken. Getting that set up. No, you're, you're right. It's, it's tough to get it set up. It doesn't always happen, but the potential for it exists. And I do think that. Balance comes into play based off personality sometimes too. If you're not a spiteful son of a bitch and <laughs> don't want to be a schemer and stuff like that, you're going to have a much harder time being competitive in this game. Um, and, and that kind of dives into your point a little bit about just play better. But I think there's a lot of holes in this game for potential power swings and abuse that I give it a low balance rating. I think if all players are the same type of player from a personality standpoint, maybe the balance changes a little bit because what you had mentioned kind of rings true where everyone's just fighting for the best possible plays. But I don't think that often happens with games. I think you have such diverse personalities in a group that the balance for this can become kind of tenuous. So I gave it a three. I could have gone a little bit higher, but I, I think I feel comfortable with a three for this because there no, are chances to really exploit and crack this game wide open. They don't happen often. They're hard yeah, to and set I guess up, you know you're just yeah your justification again. I I get it from your perspective. That makes sense. Uh, it just uh, and I get it. it. It sort of goes like to your thing on Sleeping Gods, maybe, and my Demon Souls console game. This may not be for everybody, and it may not be for you. And I think. You will know that right away. And um, I think that gets a little bit into the next one because I think I'll see where we're at number-wise on this one, the fun category. Yeah. Yeah, so I put a four for fun because if you can get into the game, it is extremely fun. Uh, you will absolutely have a good time if your group dynamics are correct and this game is for your group 
and you all get into the idea that you're competing for power in a kingdom and this kingdom has a history and you're a part of that history and you help write it and define it in some fashion, win or lose. But it has take that mechanics in some respects. People can get ganged up on. You can play a whole game of, of Oath, a whole round, and not do anything. And you're basically worthless or meaningless or impactless in the game for the most part. I can ding it on fun because of those things. Do they happen often in our group? Not really. Most of the time, even the player with like the least amount of power who has played the worst that round can still influence the outcome of the game in some way. But there are opportunities for players to just sit there with their thumbs up their butt and not really do a whole lot or impact the game a lot. And that really isn't a lot of fun when you're in that position. I think you and I, I would say actually all four of us in our group have had moments of that when we played this game. I remember at the beginning, you were really close to winning. I think either our first or second game, but then a subsequent game, you were just like, I have no idea what I'm doing this game. And you were kind of sitting there not really doing a whole lot <laughs> most of the game and kind of didn't really affect things. And that doesn't really feel that good when you're playing it. But you know, you're chancellor now. So there's so much potential to grow and swing in that game and so many different things that happen over the course of each round that you play. It is what the fun is what you make of it. And so I, I give it a four because some of those deficiencies that can happen where you're sitting there in your board or you're sitting there and you're not a big part of it. But then in the next game, you're a key cog in whoever is succeeding the chancellor, if anyone. And that's just a lot of fun. You're 100% correct there. Uh, again, we played five times. I feel like I had fun three of the five times we played, right? Yeah. Um, and that oddly reflects my score. Uh, I went middle of the road with a three because there are certain, uh, again, and it goes back to my balance. Like I made the best plays I could make with what I had or as I felt, right? On, on, on those games where like, that's where I mentioned, like I was, I don't even know why I was there. Right. <laughs> like to be honest with you, it, it didn't matter. Like food. it didn't, I was so inconsequential to the game, but I made the best plays I could with what I had. Right. It just wasn't, you know, it wasn't my night, so to speak, you know, and, and because of that, I was honestly, I, I, it, I just, I didn't know if I liked the game or not. Right. Cause it was like, I, like, why am I even here? And again, maybe other people have felt that way. Um, and even you mentioned, yeah, I, I'm, and I made a joke earlier, I'm holding the Chronicle. It doesn't feel good because of the way I got it. Yeah. Right. Like I'm not, <laughs> I'm not happy with that victory. Like, and it, maybe that's me just being me. <laughs> right. But like someone picked me to be the chancellor, not because I earned it or because I did anything. Right. Well, but to counter that happenstance you, to a degree, you put yourself in a position to be there. So you did to be picked. I get it. I get it. Like, and again, I I was having fun up until the point where I won, right? Like in a weird way. Like, (laughs) does that make sense? Because I wanted to win. (laughs) It doesn't make sense, right? But it feels that way, right? Because I I wanted to win by my own hand, not by someone else's. You know, I don't know. It's just, and again, that's the that's the that's the beauty I think of this game, and um, the fact that. Again, you could have nights where, again, maybe you just should even show up and someone should just, you know, pick cards for you and put them in a discard pile, right? Like, <laughs> and then there's other nights where, like, you are so, like, every round you are making people scratch their heads. You're making people wondering what the hell you're you doing. Target you're on making your back. people, like, 
yeah, come at you, you know, like, or they're like, yo, let's, t- let's team up. Let's figure this out. You know, like, I, I like that aspect of it, but, but, and again, right now it's, it's almost, you know, it's, it's leaning more towards the, you know, not having fun nights, but, but I like that about it in a weird way. Right. It's weird. It is. It's, it's a love hate in a weird way. It is. <laughs> like, it's unique. It's it's because no other game. I've never felt that way about another game in in the history of games. Like I've never felt that way about a game. Yeah. Like that's... usually, if a game, if you don't like a game and it's not fun, you're like, I'm done. I mean, bye bye Nova Luna, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, but like, but like this game wasn't that. This wasn't like bye bye oath. It was like, I want to play a gun because I just don't. I didn't. I didn't. I, I didn't do a good showing, and it wasn't my fault. You know. Like, <laughs> yeah. So, and you, you mentioned that's part I, of I don't know. The, I like that game. part about it. I think it's part of the brilliance of the design too, in that you can win and not feel good about your win, but you're, you're now the king, you're the chancellor and the kingdom's yours. And you're now taking up the mantle that next game to build your realm the way you see it and truly win the way you want. And history is often like that, right? Like, it's not always you yeah, know, a woman it. marries a, a, a king or something because she was betrothed to them by her parents and then the king's assassinated and the queen's in charge and she just elevates to power. Like there's things in history and this is why I think it's brilliant that Cole Worley worked this thread into the game that I mentioned earlier. I've never played anything like that. I've never played anything where you actually can look back in history and be like, oh, this – may have actually happened and in, in, in a game that's so unusual and rare. And then to have that cord, that sort of, you know, emotion that you mentioned where you win a game, but you don't really feel good about how you won. That is very unusual. If, if anything, almost unheard of in games. So I'm glad you mentioned yeah. that. Cause that's a really good point. Cause honestly, I wanted Brad, I wanted Brad to, I wanted Joe to give it to Brad. Like I was like this, I don't deserve this. Like I don't want to <laughs> do this. Like, you know, but like I, but I'm not gonna like talk that way at the table. But like I was feeling that on the inside, and maybe my body language showed it. You know, maybe yeah, a little good. bit. You're but not like good at masking your your feelings there, buddy. <laughs> but it but was I was fine. just like, was I was so, I was, I was so mad. Like I didn't want to win that way. Like I don't know. But I, what's cool now? I don't know. But but I, is that you can take that chronicle and illustrate this for us the way you felt at the time? And I'm uh, really curious to see what you do. Yeah. I think that's going to be awesome, dude. I started sketching the other day. I have to, I have to finish it, but like, I don't, I don't want, now that like both the chancellors before me have done such a good job in this chronicle. I don't want to S the B on it, you know? <laughs> so I'm nah, taking my fine. time and doing it right. Uh, the person that's going to crap. I don't want to fail article is me. If I ever get it. <laughs> All right. Component quality. What'd you have? All right. Components. That's a five. I mean, for what it is, there's, I mean, everything is beautiful about it. The coins, the little books, the cards, the mat. I, it, it, there's, I mean, it's the, the the board again. Maybe, maybe I could ding it for not having a recess player board for the for the things. But it, it it's not one of those that like you have so many things it just moves and you don't know where you're at. Yeah. It's not that bad. Uh, so I gave it a five for component quality. I thought everything was brilliant and beautiful and and very well done. Yep. Five for me too. Again, we have the Kickstarter version that we're playing, so that weighs in. Uh, it, it does come with the cardboard stuff, but the cardboard's nice too. I do love the sleeves that you can buy for the game. They don't come with the Kickstarter version or the game, but you can buy sleeves for the Denizen cards, and they're framed 
in this little black frame with all this little script that Kyle, you know, illustrated. And it just makes it look so much nicer. Like everything about that game is done in great detail with utmost of, of care. All the denizen art. I say this about Kyle's art a lot. He is not the most beautiful illustrator. His art is not beautiful to me, but it has such character and it bleeds over into the games that he works on. And this one is a very good example of that. That deck of denizens, every card you get has an interesting illustration on it. You don't look at it and you're like, oh my God, it's the nicest thing I've ever seen. But you look at it and you're like, huh, I like that. And that's everywhere in this game. So absolutely a five for me too. And the insert's nice too. His art, his art stuff. Yeah, the art, the art style that he brings. Again, I think we we talked on this. Was it episode five? Like he has set the tone for Leader's brand in his style of art. Yep. And Oath is almost to the next level of his art, right? Yeah. Like because of the amount of uniqueness. I mean, every there isn't two characters that even remotely look identical. No, like it's just. So it, it's like his, uh, his, it's a small world, right? In a weird way, right? Like he has all different types of characters and, 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 and animals and, and, and they all match to what the card is. Like it was, it's just all well thought out and just beautifully done artistically. Yep. So totally agree. Again, that's just, it's too good. So replayability is our last category. And this for me, was an absolute definite five. I could play Oath forever. Uh, again, you don't have to stop the game until you guys as a group decide, all right, my kingdom is done. That is the history of the Ottoman Empire or whatever it is you're going to name it. Uh, I could play this game forever. The group we have, we can, we're going to keep it going. I don't know if we're going to – we might shelve it for a little while because we've been you know, playing it off and on for a good six to nine months so far now and we have lots of other games to play but we're going to come back to it at some point in time uh and i could see myself playing this with another group you know we have lots of other gamer friends that if you taught them i think you know some of the assholes that we know would do quite well in oath uh but it just is a game i could play forever and never really get tired of the denizen deck which is basically the cards that you use, uh, you know, as advisors and at, at sites in the game. So the regions that you travel to. What did we a, see? Twenty percent, if that. What's that? Like the per- the percentage of cards we've seen and played. What is it? Twenty percent? Fifteen percent? It's not a lot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've barely you scratched know? the surface, and there's so much more to to yeah. do. It's just we could play this forever, and I hope that. I continue to get the chance to play it because it's just so good. And every group you play with, the dynamic's going to be a little bit different, which gives it even more flavor. So an absolute home run of a five for replayability for me. And uh, I'm going to second that with another five. Uh, so Oath got two fives for me. Uh, again, you, uh, you don't have to stop. So you can replay this uh, literally forever, and it will be a different game. You mix, I mean, even switching one person out of your group, if you're playing four player or three player and you're switching one person out, it's going to change the game for you. You have no idea what someone else is going to bring to this. What, what uh, you introduce a different personality. You know, Ryan mentioned to you, uh, we have some, some folks in our, uh, in our circle in the Nernhammer universe that 
I almost am afraid to play this yeah, game. Yeah, same um, here. I was thinking be- that too. Cause, just because of them, like, and their personalities. But like, but, but yet at the same time, it would be a completely different game. It would be a so different game. And again, just adds to that replay factor. Um, so I agree. It's a five. Yeah. No doubt. And, and the other part about the replayability too is even though it doesn't count towards replayability necessarily, it inspires me to play more is going back and looking at the Chronicle. Going back and looking at the history of the kingdom we've played in so far is so freaking cool to me. Yeah. And I'm excited to see what you add. And I love what Brad and Joe did so far. It's just so cool to go back and look yeah. and read about it. And the, you like those moments are highlighted for you. You remember it. And it's just, it sticks with you. It's a yeah, really it's, cool it, concept. It's why you buy a high school yearbook, you know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> you want to go back to it. You know what I'm saying? Like, in a weird way. Well, you're the popular kid similar, now, buddy. Right? You just get that flavor. You're the homecoming king. <laughs> You're the homecoming chancellor. Ugh. Get your crown. <sighs> All right. All right. I, I'm i so happy we finally reviewed this, but we have one more thing to say. Uh, well, first of all, what was your final score? So my final score, when you average those five numbers together, I come out to a 4.2. 4.3 here. So we're pretty much spot on almost. So that's, uh, that's good to hear. Yeah. And the final category. The other big thing to note with this game is we always add a little lose friends rating at the end. This is something that's going to make you angry. Is it going to make you flip a table or punch somebody in the face? Unequivocally, yes. This game, because of all the skimming, yes. because of all the yes. making, you can get very mad. You can get very frustrated. And that is why we've been saying all along this yep. time that the group you play with is very, very key to the success of your fun and enjoyment with oath it is a mean game be prepared to get mean and be mean and be mean have people be mean to you because that's just the core of king making right yeah and again uh i'm with you 100 percent, yes because even again i just talked about i'm mad that i won right like who gets mad (laughs) when they win a game like come on like like but but also like the games that were close, like I think game two, if I'm not mistaken, it was like every one of us kept trying, like every turn we were, every round was so close, was so close. Like someone almost won, someone almost won, and then three people smack them down. Then the next person goes, and then they set themselves up, and then we smack them down, yeah. right? And like at the end of the day, the only one that wins is the chancellor when, when everyone fights amongst themselves. Again, in history, when the townspeople fight, the government wins, right? Like it's just how it works. Yep. Um, but, but you get so fired up and you get, again, you can get mad. You certainly and and again, I, I, I weirdly like that. Like, it's, I guess that's why we have this podcast. It's going to be like that. You yeah. know, <laughs> we like to play games and then lose our friends because of it or nearly lose them. And, yeah. and to be clear, we have not lost friends over yeah. oath. Let's just say that we've strengthened our bond as a gaming group. These are the types of things that our, our group embraces yeah. because we, a, enjoy getting into this type of stuff from a narrative and, and story and lore standpoint. And B, we like being jerks to each other when we play games. Uh, Arboretum is a great example. Oath is yeah, a great example. Yeah, 100%. Because it's fun 100%. to us. It's fun to us. It's all good natured, but it's fun. And Oath is a great example of that. And again, we didn't give it the best score, right? It's not all fives across the board. The way we've been gushing about it, you'd think we would. But it's just so unique and so brilliant in its design but it's just not for everybody. And so that's where the scores come from, I think. Yeah, but I mean, again, going back, look, like it's it's very close to Nidavellir, right? Nidavellir was a 4.1 for me. It tied War Chest at a 4.2. 
And I love Nidavellir and love Warchest. Yeah. I don't not love Oath, right? But like, it's got its, they all have their, you know, their, their moments or their, their, their imperfections. And if you can look past those imperfections, you can still love a four, you know? Like, that doesn't make it a bad game. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Agreed. I think Oath is so. a perfect example of a game that works unbelievably well for some and terrible for others. And I don't know of too many games that are like that where, you know, <laughs> you play it more and more and find more and more that you hate it, uh, but still want to play it. So it's it's unique in that respect. But <laughs> that is our Oath review. Absolutely. I'm glad we finally got it done because I've been thinking about it for, since we started this podcast about how excited I was to talk about that game. And I hope we did it justice. And I hope you as listeners, if you haven't tried it, and you have a group that you play with where you can handle some good-natured ribbing and some some take that, give it a shot. It's expensive. That's the only knock I have. I think retail's fairly cheap now. You can get it around 60 bucks, so it's a lot better than the Kickstarter $120 version. But give it a shot. If you have – I would say you really do need at least four people. Um, if you can get six, it probably takes a lot longer. So maybe learn with three or four. And if you can scale up later once you know the game well – I can't even imagine it. This at six players, it would be so brutal and so much fun. That would be an. Uh, uh, I, yeah, I'm with you. I don't even know how to take that with six. Yeah, <laughs> like, I struggle with four. Yeah, like, like the the amount of scheming and backstabbing and political alliances and all that stuff, it would get out of hand and just be crazy and fun. And I, it would be interesting. Maybe someday we'll give that a shot. So that's our oath review. Very happy we got it in and I'm not terribly surprised, but also pretty happy to see our scores are almost identical. So it's good to know we kind of feel the same about that game. All right. We've got one yeah, segment left and it's going to be a good one. What'd you buy and what'd you back? What do you want to start with? Backed or bought? Uh, let's do bought. All right. Go ahead. Cause I think you and I have, uh, one bought that's the same because I tipped you on it. Yes. And then, um, and I think back uh, is again very recent type of thing, so this will be good for our listeners. Uh, they can still get take advantage of this. So, um, from a backed perspective, uh, from a bot perspective, Board Game Geek uh, launched uh, their March update uh, earlier this week, and they added two new Meadow promos, and they got the old Meadow promo that has been sold out for what three months and i've been on the watch list and an email list for when it came back so not only did they launch the update but then i got the notification that said hey it's back in stock so i quickly ran to it to, to the borgingi uh promo store uh i bought the the robin promo the bigfoot promo and then there's a whole new envelope promo right and it's funny from a price point standpoint a single card was three or five bucks but then a whole pack of what nine cards was five bucks so it's like all right yeah i guess i'll give you three dollars for this one card <laughs> yeah so um so i i snagged the three meadow promos i also took advantage of the spring cleaning sale and i bought some old old promos for a game called zularetto and i think i got a, a taper a lemur a reindeer <laughs> and something else for that game uh and they were only a buck a piece they were down from like five bucks Five bucks for a little tile, and now they were down to a dollar. So I was like, all right, I'll give them a buck for that. So I bought like four of those. And then the only other thing I got, because cause I, I don't know, I started, I got to start my, uh, my, uh, my jersey love for our Nerdhammer jerseys. I bought the, uh, wingspan patch. So, 
I have to get that on the on the jersey. Did you? Uh, so that's the first thing I bought. Did you pack away then, your, your birthday? I'm hoping you, yet, that I got you. Oh yeah, I almost honestly, I had the um, I had the uh, uh what is it called? The Oceana Expansion chips, chips. The, the bits. <laughs> I had them in the cart. I had them in the cart, and I was like, "Oh, this is a big order." I'm gonna just all right. I can I can save the They're chips. Pricey, I'll get the dude. chips. They're very pricey. Uh, yes. Yeah, uh, Ryan for my birthday got me the, uh, the base game and the expansion geek up bits for, uh, the little tokens and all my, you know how like, uh, shut up and sit down, put the war chest pieces in their mouth? Like I felt like that with those. Like they were so good. Delicious little game candies. They're just so beautiful. But yes, I, uh, I, I actually threw away or I put the, uh, cardboard out of them. I took it out. I was like, I, I am only using these. So, uh, yeah. So thank you for that. High roller now, Uh, mother. So what did you, (laughs) <laughs> so what uh what did you uh buy from the sale so same as you meadow cards i don't think i got bigfoot maybe i did i can't remember i'll find out because it gets here in a couple days and you also told yeah. me there was a nit of Lear promo so i picked that up um yeah so a Lear. happy to get those uh i definitely want to we need to play more meadow as a group uh i, I love that goddamn game and yeah i really want to play with four again so hopefully i'll have those <laughs> And uh, other big bought purchase that I made, I did buy some games, but the the one I really wanted to highlight was I finally caved and bought a Calyx. I wasn't going to buy a Calyx because I was planning on doing like wall shelves when I finished my basement, but my game cabinet was full. I had nowhere else to go with games and I just got to the point where I was fed up and I'm like, I'm just going to buy the largest Calyx you can get. I had to leave in the middle of the day to go get the damn thing because the pickup time was a day, wouldn't move the day, they wouldn't deliver it, and I had to drive down to Ikea to go get it at like 1 o'clock in the afternoon. So I had to take a late lunch for work, drive all the way down to get it. What a pain in the ass. But now I have a nice, beautiful Calyx, and my wife told me, you're not going to – it's not enough. You're going to need more than that. And I'm like, you're out of your mind. Like this thing's huge. It's taller than me. It's It's wider than me, like laying down on the floor wider. It's huge. She was right. I have like three shelves where I have some space left and then I'm out of room again. So guess what I'm going to be buying another one of at some point in time, I'm sure. A Calyx. I am so jealous. And I did – we do have fans on Instagram that have seen your Calyx in its glory. So – and I posted how jealous I was uh, <laughs> of it. And then uh, I jokingly was explaining to the wife that maybe I need to change around our house so I can – Find somewhere to get a calyx. <laughs> How'd that go? But uh, uh, not well, not well. So, <laughs> but I uh, uh, game wise, I don't know. We'll see. Ta- <laughs> yeah, I mean, you you'll you got to work on that one for a while. I just basically said I've had enough, and I'm buying a calyx, and that was that. So, but the second one's probably going to be an argument. Uh, but game wise, I picked up long shot, which we talked about earlier, and tomorrow, hopefully the the postal service does not let me down i will get my copy of the second uh, print run of vagrant song i'm really excited to get that and get that on the table uh, another co-op looks amazing reviewed amazing again kind of narrative driven but not you know that's not the draw of the game supposedly the no, game that's, itself is pretty it's solid, more boss so battle super dungeon crawly yeah yep. yeah that's gonna be more cook on the monsters pick up the stuff so uh yeah, I'm looking forward to Vagrant Song. I didn't I didn't pursue that because I had Townsfolk Tussle. I've heard they're very similar mechanically. 
Uh, again, obviously artistically they're similar. Yeah. That old like sort of old timey cartoon Cuphead. So yeah, I, I didn't know. You know, again, after I play it, it might warrant owning both. But I didn't know that had a style. Figured. It's called Rubber Hose style. Maybe, oh, maybe is that it's the art called that? And I just Rubber read hose? it on the internet last night, and I Could believe everything I read. But that was the style I, I read: Rubber Hose style art <laughs> or animation. I thought I thought that was interesting. And actually, uh, if you like look at it, you nice. can see it. Yeah, they look like balloon animal things, right? Yeah. Did you have anything else that you bought? Yeah. So um, earlier this week, I'm going to take it down a little bit of a notch. Uh, one of the companies that, again, I've been supporting, you know, since I knew about them, uh, for a, it's a game called Clash of Decks. Uh, we've posted stuff on uh, on Instagram about us playing it. They did a sort of a, a, a donation program uh, for, you know, the tragedy that's going over in the Ukraine. So they released a promo card. And you could pay what you want, and they'll send you the promo card along with a starter deck. Um, so I pledged again. Now I have this will be my third, fourth, maybe fifth starter deck that I bought off these guys. Uh, again, the game's fantastic. It's a nice giveaway. Um, but again, to get the Ukraine card, I thought was kind of cool, but also to, you know, a board game for a good cause. So if anyone's interested or cares, I mean, it's a, it's a real simple, easy thing. And it's, uh, on the Clash of Decks website. So definitely check that out. So there's that one. And this morning, I got an email. I think I, I think last episode, uh, I talked about John Cloudis, uh, from yeah, Small Box Games. He, um, he released a, an email to anyone who's ever backed one of his two games that are part of his, uh, it's called this, uh, the Compass. I think it's called the Compass Archive or something like that. Uh, I apologize, I don't have it in front of me, but basically he had a game called The North uh, last year, or yeah, last year he uh, kickstarted a game called The West, and he put uh, a secret pre-order just for his uh, loyal fans uh, up for the East and the South. Now, granted, everyone will have an opportunity uh, at Kickstarter to, to buy the four games, the East, the West, the North, and the South. But he gave his uh, loyal fans uh, a chance to to buy them just to, you know because they own the other two. Um, and then even on the Kickstarter, he said there'll be something for the, you, my loyal fans and my backers, where you don't have to buy the full package. Um, you know, get buy the game again. So uh, again, I'm a huge fan of uh, of John's work. Uh, I love his games, his style, the art. It's they're fun, simple. You know, again, what he does with a card, second to none. No one else designs games the way he does when it comes to multi-use cards. So I'm just super excited, super pumped. So that was an instant buy for me. Uh, as soon as again, you know, you know, being part of this sort of, uh, <laughs> almost a, a small box games fan club, I felt, uh, obligated to buy these games. You know, again, you got to complete the set. So <laughs> got to catch them all. And it's a good cause. I'm a sucker for, for that. The, you know, the Ukrainian situation. So that's cool. It's good to see people doing stuff like that yeah. in the board game community. So how about backed? So I am currently backing two games. One I've uh, been following for quite some time, and it finally dropped today. It's a game called Encyclopedia from Holy Grail Games. So that, uh, again, I wasn't, uh, I thought the price point was good for what you were getting. It's a very, it looks like a solid uh, value for the money you're you're putting in there for that. So I backed that, and 
Uh, I actually thought this was going to be a more expensive month for me, and I was going to potentially have, I don't know, maybe five games. But I was able to cut back, and I wanted to wait because I was, I've been following uh, Unstable Games on Instagram, and they were touting that there's a new something new coming to Kickstarter on the 22nd. And I'm like, all right, well, I love just about everything I've ever played and done you know, played with them. So my kid's a huge fan. I know your kids like their, their, their games as well. So it's like, okay, what do they got going on? And they dropped probably one of their most ambitious projects, uh, called casting shadows. And I looked, they have so many tier levels. I am not at the highest. <laughs> I was at, I was at the middle and then changed it to go up one level higher because again i just want to uh, the value of that my pledge level i thought i'm getting a, a lot of game and a lot of accessories so yeah uh, i'm looking forward to this tremendously uh again it's their most ambitious game to date and it's not just it's again their their pedigree has usually just been simple fun card games um well they're they kicked it up a notch with this one um uh, they've got Again, that similar style art, similar universe as Here to Slay and Unstable Unicorns and um, Wrong Party, like that whole world, Little Dinosaurs, like that's the Happy Dinosaurs, sorry, Happy Dinosaurs. So uh, that's Casting Shadows. And the last thing I do want to mention from a Kickstarter perspective is, uh, unfortunately today, we were also notified as a backer of Deep Root Dwellers uh, that it was not funded successfully. However... There was a nice message uh, in the update that said they'll be back. They sent a survey out for people to give feedback so they could come back with a vengeance. I hope that we'll be there with them, uh, much like we were with uh, Kabbalah the second time around and Stranger Game Studios. You know, we've spoken with Kevin, uh, the the designer uh, of of the game, and um, I th- I'm looking forward to the relaunch. And uh, hopefully we get this game funded because uh, I definitely want it and I want to play it. Yeah, I think we both do for sure. I'm ho- I'm hoping it gets the attention it deserves next time too because, again, like we said last episode, I think it just got buried under the volume of releases at that time. And there's enough quality there and the gameplay looks different enough that should get some attention next time around. So hopefully we can contribute to that. Um, so bought or back for me, I only backed one new project and that is, uh, again, a little game called Hamlet from David Chirkop. Looks like kind of a fun little village building game. Um, mechanics look decent. It didn't look like anything terribly crazy. Uh, price point wasn't bad. So definitely checking it out. There's a founder's edition. So I backed that and, um, supposedly I guess each copy is going to be unique, which is kind of cool. But you get, you know, a pretty good amount of stuff, and there's a, a neat little 3D cardboard church that comes with the game. Uh, I'm looking forward to getting to try it. I haven't played it yet on TTS. Uh, I think they're working on it, or it might actually be there already. There's also a nice solo mode. Um, yeah, the TTS stuff is out. I just, I just took a look now. So I got to get some time to sit down and play it. But right now, from the aesthetics and, and the rule book and everything, it looks pretty good. So excited for that one when it eventually gets here in 2029. But yeah, other than that, no other <laughs> stop. No other back stuff for me uh, at this point. There is one other one I was looking. At. I can't remember the name of it. I think I sent to you, but I'm on the fence. Uh, was Scott? Oh Jack yeah, Ford. Mercurial. Mercurial. Yes, Mercurial. What did you think of that? 
again, I think I'm at that point where those types of games, I have so many of them. I know. That's where that I'm at, too. It's got to stand I, like, out. I, and don't get me wrong. I'm not knocking the game by any stretch. No, same here. Like, but, like, I've got a lot of games that are in that sort of genre or in that style. And it's like, I feel like I'm now finally mature enough that I don't have to back a game just because the minis are cool, <laughs> right? Like, you're growing. Um, as a gamer, I, again, <laughs> life lesson, right? Yeah. Don't back games for minis. Uh, I, again, I didn't do it for Yucatan, and that had an anteater, right? I'm not going to do That's that for real restraint from you, son. Game. Real so. restraint. <laughs> so... Um, but yeah, uh, and, and honestly, I've got Osorn still coming. I've got Trudvang Legends still coming. Like, I've got games coming that I just feel deserve to be played before I start backing another one, yeah. you know, uh, and wait another two years for it. Like, I, I, and again, I'm not knocking the game. I'm sure the game's fine, but I mean, that's why I didn't back Forlorn Kingdoms. Again, I, I was, I pledged and I canceled. Like, I just, I, I, I can't. That's not the type of game I get to play a lot. And the fact that I have ones coming that I've never played, I've got ones in Shrink I've never played. I, I'm just not justifying buying another one. I don't know. I'm with you. Maybe that's it, a, just a me thing, but like I just no, feel there's a like capacity. I'm just being smarter I mean, now. Like you know? We only have so much capacity. Yeah, I wish I mean, we could literally quit our day jobs and just game all day long and make money off this podcast and talk about it. <laughs> But the reality is there's yeah, only so uh, much capacity for that stuff and, and you know, we yeah. fit in what we can when we can and, you know, there's so yeah. much stuff on your shelf. My my Calyx I'm looking at right here as I record is full of th- – I'm looking at Cosmic Frog. I've wanted to play Cosmic Frog for like the last six months again. I, I just can't wait to get to the table. <laughs> it's like, you know, at some point there's a, a, a part where our wallets just say yes and our brains are like, no. So – I think we're finally getting there and that's a good thing, yeah. but still some really good stuff out there that is worth backing. And I think we find the ones that, that fit us and fit our likelihood to get to the table and don't overlap too much yeah. with some of the other stuff we haven't even gotten out of shrink yet. So very good points. And honestly, that's that's where games like Encyclopedia and Casting Shadows and Earth uh, and, and, and either like – I mean, I talked about Creature Comforts. Yep. You know, that's, that's where deep root dwellers would fit. Like it's in that world. Like that, like it, it will get played. I know it will get played. Yeah. And there, um, there's a reason why I didn't and, go crazy backing things like Zombicide and stuff too, because there's a lot of games with that mechanic. And I've been waiting years for one where a theme really resonated with me and deep root or, uh, see, yeah, deep root, deep rock galactic is coming out, you know, and I back that and it's kind of zombicide ish in a way with mechanics and stuff, but it's the theme that I like. And so, yeah. you know, you got to pick and choose. You can't do them all. You just can't. And if you do, God bless you. You might have nine calyxes and a million more dollars than me, but good luck playing them all. All right. Well, I think yeah. that's going to do it for tonight. Thank you everybody again for joining us. Make sure you visit our Instagram at play games, lose friends. Check out our website, playgameslosefriends.com. If you want to contact us with questions, comments, feedback, you want us to talk about a game, you want us to just shut the hell up for five minutes, email us at playgameslosefriends <laughs> at gmail.com. Any other final words for our friends and dear listeners and fellow gamers before we go, Ken? Uh, I think people need to leave uh, the Everdale design team alone. We'll get our game. <laughs> Relax. Just chill out. Uh, that's a great point. 
everybody just calm down about all the delays for all these Kickstarters and play through all your stuff on your shelves first. Get some get some more games of some of your favorites in. Maybe uh, you know, get some some of the smaller, cheaper stuff out and play that some more. Just be patient and be nice. Everybody be nice to each other. There's not enough niceness in the world. Let's be nice. And be kind. Everdell's gonna be amazing. Fellow gamers. It's gonna be great. Good things come to those who wait. Just stop with the whining. It's okay. That's the best advice we've ever given on this podcast. For a game for a podcast <laughs> themed about losing friends because we're such assholes to each other playing games. Now we're turning it around and Mr. Rogers. We're telling you to be episode. nice. <laughs> I like it. I actually put a sweater on. <laughs> Is that the only thing you're wearing? Just about. I think it's time to end this episode. All right, everybody. Thank Bye, you for buddy. joining us. We'll be back in a couple weeks. In the meantime, play games, have fun, and be nice. See everybody. Bye-bye. <laughs>